0: Welcome to Sermon q and a. I'm Pastor Craig in the studio with Pastor Michael today. And yesterday, April 10th, 2022, we did a joint service and we talked about the man who was healed at the pool of Bethesda. And one of the questions that com- came out of that message was the mysticism aspect of this. Mm. So the water gets stirred and the people who are there are lame, they're blind, they're paralyzed. If and there's a belief was if you got into the pool as the water was stirred, you could be healed. Throughout time, this is very interesting because that place seems to always be a place where you could go to be healed or yeah. receive power, even to this day, as I mentioned yesterday in the message.
1: That was brand new. I le- I'd, I'd never heard that before. That's not yeah. a bad way. Like, I, it's there, clearly. It's, it's yeah. weird, isn't yeah. it? At like this why are they all gate, there? Yeah.
0: At this gate, they gather every single year to receive this power or this this healing. So my question to you today, Pastor Michael, is this. Is there any
1: room mm-hmm. in Christianity for mysticism? Let's let's define the term because this this is thrown around quite a bit, and also mysticism is has been a, has been. Uh, alongside of Christianity for 2000 years now and existed even before that. So mysticism, very simply, it is the way they would describe it is it is search for union with the divine. And so what mystics typically want to do is they want to have experiences that connect them to the divine in a really meaningful, powerful way, usually in a way that is unforgettable, Um, something that sets them apart as a mystic, like mystics love to be known as somebody who had Mm -hmm. these experiences. Mm -hmm. And then typically in mysticism, some sort of divine knowledge is being transferred to the person. And so if you're able to- Could um, we say also power as well? Sometimes. It depends on the realm of mysticism for sure. Um, and, And so- In Christendom over the last 2000 years, there has been a sect of Christianity called Christian mystics. And the way they would define it is they would say something like this. um, Our goal is not to have union generically with God and to have experiences, but to have greater union with Christ and then to... Have this sort of experience with him that gives us more personal, intimate knowledge of who God is, what is real and true, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, if you were to ask me, Michael, would you like union with Christ? Well, I have that by faith in Christ. I got it. Um, but would you also like to have a deeper relationship with God through the practice of certain behaviors that allows you to know Him more intimately and? and and maybe even have the spirit of God communicate things to your mind and heart. Well, for sure. I don't want to throw
0: you yeah. off, oh, but please, yeah. everything you said so far sounds very biblical. Even right. Paul saying that I may
1: know him in the power of his resurrection. For sure. This is why you can go online on YouTube, for example, and yeah. you can find evangelical Christians who would say mysticism, even though in the non-Christian like world it's a bad idea right but when you understand mysticism in the context of christianity it doesn't need to be a bad idea my problem is a couple things uh, let's just go to like some of the like what i see is probably often more times than not i would say bad things that result out of christian mysticism mm-hmm. um here's number 1 is when you sit with a christian mystic um i've had a handful of conversations and i've listened to a lot and uh online and watching them. And I, I've tried for a while to get my head around like who are these people and what do they think? And and are they really just my brothers and sisters? And some of them truly are, absolutely. But um their experiences almost always trump the word. Yeah. And this is part of the danger. When you're a mystic, you are you are constantly looking for experiences with and to their credit with Christ. Um, but that becomes almost paramount. It becomes the most important thing. Now, if you talk to a mystic, they're never gonna tell you experience is more important than the word, but practically speaking, it's a very common, I think, pitfall. Um, What you'll also find is that experience circumvents the word. So like the word may not give any category for this, but they go up and around the word. And so they receive oftentimes special knowledge and information that has no connection to the word. That's why some of the more I'll call it um, hyper charismatic movements are functionally mystic because they're looking for special experiences that in parts of them, they call them prophetic words, right? But special knowledge that nobody else has. It's not in scripture. And so they're actually a version of Mysticism, although they would never call themselves that, or rarely would they. Do so, that. can
0: I ask you a question? Yeah,
1: in the New Testament, there is a gift of wisdom. Yep, is that what they would connect with this mystic idea? Um, yeah. So what? So the charismatics they're going to connect to explicitly biblical categories. Th- this is why it's really interesting because. Mm. Um, we do things that line up with Christian mystics. Often we seek to have a greater intimacy with Christ. We do certain behaviors. We meditate on scripture. We, uh, meditate on our lives. We, um, uh, we fast, we pray, you know, all this stuff like these are typical behaviors that a Christian mystic would do. Typically they would do them in more extreme ways, looking to have a more extreme encounter with Jesus. Um, but this is why the vocabulary gets a little bit confusing, to be honest. So when you hear them talk, you'll be like, oh, it's just the word mysticism, but they're doing, but once you start getting into what they're doing, they start doing extreme things, almost pushing their body and their soul and their spirit to limits so that almost as if we do extreme things, that's where, where the divine or Jesus will meet us uniquely. So... Um, I think it was like probably from the 4th or 5th century all the way up until like the 16th century. Uh, There are all these writings of mystics and they would do extreme things. They put themselves on poles out in the desert. They'd fast forever. (laughs) And their thought was the more extreme I am, the more likely I am to have an encounter with the divine when sometimes it might just be dehydration, right? And so- who knows? But, but that's kind of the idea in mysticism is they take the normal Christian behavior, they push it to their limits um, so that they can have an experience with, with the divine. And then another pitfall is that the experience becomes the point. Um, mm-hmm. And again, whether or not I feel or experience Jesus, like the fact that I am saved and united with him through faith in Christ, like, it, it doesn't change, right? So there is such a heavy emphasis on the experiential side. Now, don't get me wrong, I think Christianity is an experiential faith. Um, Well, you just went, you do have a actually mm -hmm. tendency
0: Mm -hmm. to go away for a week or two Yeah, and go hiking, spend some time with the Lord. That's something that you put into your repertoire. In
1: about two and a half weeks, I will be alone in the desert outside of Palm Springs for eight days, hiking 120 miles and I'll be by myself. And so, and the purpose of that is prayer meditation and I meet with the Lord. And so I, this, this is where like for me though, um, uh, I don't expect God to meet me. I don't come back and I'm like, Craig, you you don't believe how, how close Jesus and I am now. Like, there's nothing to brag about. Like, honestly, I do it because my life is flurried and it's nuts. I'm like, I'm around people all the time. And I just felt like the Lord asked me to go meet with him alone. Yeah, And so um, it, I wouldn't even connect it to like a miss. I do not do anything crazy. It's I mean- It's an it, extended Sabbath. It's an extended Sabbath yeah. is actually kind of what I would what I would probably call that. But um, I think my my most frustrating, a practical uh, issue with mystics is that they compete against each other. They don't know it, but they promote their mystical experiences. They write them down and you become known as a mystic. um, And that is, um, it's just a very competitive experience. And uh, like, I don't sit there and say, I'm a pastor and then try to compete with other pastors, you know? So, um, so there's a lot of pitfalls in it. I think the, probably the largest pitfalls are that it is most commonly associated with progressive Christianity So the idea that the word of God kind of isn't enough. I need to go deeper and get this special knowledge. It's very similar to the Gnostics in the first and second century that the Christian church was dealing with. You have to have these, they had this special knowledge that came through experiences that the, the church didn't have through the apostles. And they were constantly fighting this, like, no, you need the word of God from the, from the apostles to teach you the truth about Christ. And, so um, you also find this and more, I would call the mystical religions, mystical Christian versions, sort of like uh, Eastern Orthodox. You're going to find mystics in that realm. Um, anywhere where people just say, we can't know, they're going to lean heavily into mysticism. And I would much prefer to lean into what we do know, uh, revealed to us in the word of God. Uh, by the apostles and the prophets, the Old Testament.
0: It is interesting. Jesus took time off, went into the mountain to pray, went overnight, whatever, all of those things. But every time we have any insight as to what he was doing there, he's always in the word of God. Yep. He's always he's always dwelling, spending time, quoting, even yep. in temptations of wilderness, he's using the word of God. And uh, and then he teaches us the same thing, mm. uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a man who builds his house yep. on a rock. So while I, I would agree with you, experiences are not all bad, obviously, yep. uh, some of them make us into who we are, yeah, in, sure. into a better image of Jesus Christ. If our desire is for the experience and not to be under the subjective authority of the word of God, we've, we're kind of misplacing what we're aiming
1: for. Amen. And I think when we take words and ideas that are explicitly not unbiblical or not, they're explicitly prohibited. So like mysticism before Jesus was not a good thing. Um, This is done by Greeks and Romans and pagans, et cetera. And so to kind of syncretize that kind of concept. I think the Bible gives us enough categories at the end of the day to yep. say we're, we're people of prayer, yep. uh, we're people of fasting, we're people of intentionality, we're people, people of, of reflection, we're yep. people of the word. Yep. Yep. And uh, when, when you do talk to a handful of mystics, um, when they go away, um, there is not a ton of contemplation on the word, but there's an emptying, almost like a, a, a syncretism of Buddhist ideas of emptying out the brain and. And so that's where I'm a little like, you know, just kind of reticent of of a lot of this stuff. But if you're a Christian mystic who believes in the gospel and so does biblical things and meditates and contemplates on the Word of God and and you fast and pray not to seek experiences but to obey the Word of God and the Lord gives you experiences, great. That's you know, I just prefer not to use those words because I don't think they're helpful and I think they're confusing.
0: Well, I appreciate that. It is a confusing world, and it's even more confusing when it enters into the spiritual realm. So thanks for the direction. Well, it's been a privilege talking over the subject with Pastor Michael this morning. Join us next time as we hit another topic in Sermon Q&A.